Well, good morning, church. Are you glad to be at church today? It's good to see everybody in the house today. Pastor Ron came uh, straight to my office this morning and told me he was wearing black because the Buckeyes lost yesterday. And he wore it in mourning just to rub it in my face. But it is good to be here, even though the Bucks did lose yesterday. Me and DJ may be teetering into dangerous territory when we talk about our teams. So be praying for us as we're deceived. Will you do me a favor and welcome everyone who is online today joining us from wherever you are. Thank you so, so much. I saw that my mother was watching, so mom, why are you not in church? <laughs> That's what I want to know. But uh, I want to talk today on the topic of it will work. Can you say that with me today? It will work. Romans chapter number eight, where we'll lift the text. Many of you have heard this passage before. I want to read it to you from the Amplified Translation, and hopefully by the end of this message, you will see this verse in a different light. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for the good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I am a planner to a degree. I have my calendar on my phone and my iPad, and it just helps me keep track of what I'm doing with my life. Is anybody else a planner, like you try to keep up with your to-do list? Your, and, and I don't know... You know, some people be more, maybe more planners than others, but I don't know whose desk. Do we know whose desk we got this from? Stacy's desk. I don't know where she is, but she's. Her. This is one of the staff members at our church, and uh, everybody, uh, let me just tell you what she's doing this week. If you're interested, <laughs> September the first, she went to a concert. We better ask her what she went to, because we make sure she's. Uh, who was it? Carrie Job. All right, she passes the test. She's meeting with Abigail on the 19th. Uh, it's Grandparents' Day today. Is that true? Happy Grandparents' Day, all the old people. We love you. I'm just, just found that out. And at 11 o'clock, she's meeting with Amanda, which is probably where she's at right now. Not in church. God help Stacy in Jesus' name. But we make our plans, we set our agendas, we have our expectations, right? We, we write in our plans things like, uh, you know, this weekend we gotta go grocery shopping, or we'll write in our calendar things like we're gonna go meet our friends for coffee on Friday, or we got breakfast with a, a roommate on Thursday. So we write some things in, but not only do we write those trivial things in, but we have maybe an unwritten calendar of expectations thinking you know, I'm going to graduate college, and, here, and here's the date. I'm going to uh, get married, and, and he's going to have abs, and he's going to be six foot two, and he's got perfect teeth, and he's going to be an Alabama fan. Okay, just checking. But, but, but 
I'm going to write that in the calendar. It's just, it's just in the plans. You're going to marry a beautiful woman with a great job and benefits and everything. Is, and she's going to be a state fan. And, and I'm going to, and, and when we're going to get married and we're going to have 2.5 kids live in a great school district with great people around us. And we're going to put our kids to the best schools and daycares. And so we have our plans. We have our dreams. We have our expectations. And we set the times. And we have how we think life is going to go. We have how we expect things to turn out. But how many of you know that life doesn't always go according to plan? That life doesn't always play according to our schedule. Life doesn't always check with our agenda, but life has a way of taking us in directions that we initially didn't plan on taking. Nobody wrote in their calendar that in 2020, we were gonna go through a pandemic and that you were gonna lose your job. Nobody wrote in their planner that they were going to be laid off or that they were gonna be diagnosed with a certain disease or nobody planned on burying a family member that they didn't expect to pass away, that there are some things that just happen in life that don't always go, don't always go according to plan. You didn't write in your calendar that you were gonna be sick. You didn't write in your calendar that you were going to experience divorce. You know, 20 years ago yesterday, September the 11th, on September the 10th, 3,000 Americans went to bed saying goodnight to their children for the last time. 3,000 Americans planning travel, planning work, got things on their schedule and didn't get to lunch the next day because sometimes life doesn't always go according, according to plan. Our planners, our expectations can oftentimes become less what we thought and more of what we never would have dreamed. Think about that, that if you were honest today in your calendar, you didn't write down, you may have wrote the wedding date, but you didn't write down the court date later for a divorce. You never wrote down when you were 20 years old that you'd be an addict at 35. You didn't expect that you would be working the same job 20 years later. You didn't expect to have as many regrets as you do right now. You didn't pencil that in. You didn't write that in your calendar that sometimes life doesn't go According, according to plan. When I think about a life that doesn't go according to plan, I think of a man named Joseph, whose story is found in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. He is the great-grandson of Abraham and the 11th son of Jacob. And at 17 years old, I want you to catch this story. Maybe you're familiar with it. Allow me just to walk you through it. But at 17 years old, God gives Joseph a dream. And in this dream, God reveals to him that he's going to be a man of greatness, that God was going to use him to be an authority, and he dreamed that all of his other brothers were bowing to him. It was a sign to him at 17 years old that God was going to use him in an elevated position, that his brothers and the, and the, and the country would be looking to him as a position of power. He had that dream. 
And let me say this from the onset today is that God still speaks in dreams. God still speaks in visions. God will speak to you in, a, in an impression on your heart and that God will give you a plan for your life. In fact, let me say this. I believe every person has a purpose on this earth. And God can give us that plan and that dream and that feeling and that, that drawing to the things that he has in store for our lives. I do not believe that your life is a mistake. I do not believe that you are by accident here or by accident born, by accident that God lost you in the shuffle. He has a design specific for your life. A lot of times people have a hard time, and I, and I understand, identifying the thing that God has in store for them. But let me say it like this. The Bible says he gives you the desires of our hearts. What does that mean? Is that the desire that God gave, he put in our hearts. So many times we think that I have a desire to do something and you're thinking, well, what if that's wrong? What if it's wrong to go to nursing school? You know, I love children. I want to help children or, you know, I want to be in the ministry or I want to start a business and you have the desire. Could it be that the desire that is in your heart is the desire that God gave you because he's designed you to do something significant and specific on the planet earth? It doesn't just necessarily mean that God just gives you what you want. It means that what you want, God gave to you. And if you submit it to God, he will refine that and walk you in the plan and purpose of God. Now, I want you to catch this, that Joseph had a dream. Joseph had heard from God directly. Nobody brokering the conversation. He heard directly from God in a dream that he was going to be a man of significant power. And I don't know what your dream is today, but I believe maybe you have a dream to raise a great family. Maybe you have a dream to go back and finish those classes. Maybe you have a dream to, to build a new home or to, to start that orphanage or to, to take that missions trip. Or maybe you have a dream just to, to be a good, godly husband. Maybe you have a dream to do something significant with your life. And I want you to know today that God's primary language is vision, our vision and dreams. That God doesn't just speak English he actually speaks in the impressions that we feel in our hearts. And so Joseph has this, this dream. And you would think when you hear the story of Joseph, just I'm sure how many of us assume, that because he has this dream, he expects to go up and to the right, to the fulfillment of the dream. Because if God gave it, God will make it work, right? Simple as can be. So we would expect, like Joseph, that if God has put something in our heart, that it has just climbed the ladder of success up and to the right. Everything's gonna turn out perfect for me. No setbacks, no struggles, no, no problems. God gave a dream, and I'm gonna walk into the purpose of God without one bump in the road. But that's not what we find. We find that young Joseph, God gave him this dream, and when God gave him this dream, he started talking about it to his brothers. Now, let me pause there. You got to be careful who you tell your dreams to. 
Not everybody can handle that version of you. There are people that want you to keep working that kind of job or living in that kind of house or living in that kind of neighborhood. People want to snapshot you and keep you where they found you because people become uncomfortable with dreamers because dreamers inform the people around them about where they have settled in their own life. And so dreamers will be, God will use a dreamer and there's nothing more disruptive to the status quo than a dreamer. And so what we find in the story, he goes to his brothers and the brothers become irritated with him and they begin to talk bad about him. So 17 year old Joseph has a dream and all of a sudden now he's experiencing persecution. This is not what he expected. This is not probably what he wanted. But now, at 17, with a God-given dream, has come this persecution from his family. In fact, it even says that his father and his mother are irritated with him, and they even talk bad and even say, do you think we're going to bow to you? Do you really think, Joseph, that that's possible? Do you really think you could pay your house off? Do you really think you could get out of this job? Do you really think God could do something great with you? And there's just persecution that comes with, with a dream. As a result, he shares his dream with his brothers. They persecute him. They mock him. They laugh at him. And the next thing that happens, the Bible says, is that they throw him in an empty pit or like a well. They throw him in there. They're so tired of Joseph, they say, here comes the dreamer. And when Joseph arrives, the Bible says, they throw him in, in a pit. Now, let me just time out for just a moment. I thought God gave him a dream. And I thought it was going to be up and to the right. I thought since it was God, it would be clearly a path made clear. I thought the path would be made straight. I thought things would work out good. But actually, Joseph is experiencing the opposite. When he should have or thought or assumed he should be going up, it actually feels like he's going back. He has been through persecution. He's now thrown in a pit. And young little 17-year-old Joseph is in the pit, sold into slavery while these people are passing by. The brothers decide not to kill him, sell him into slavery. And then he gets purchased by a man named Potiphar, who was like a city official in the region. And Potiphar had a wife who thought Joseph was fine. Have you read this story? It gets steamy. Are you ready? It's going to get weird. <laughs> okay. Potiphar goes to work one day. Potiphar's like, hey, babe, I'll be back in a little bit. I'll see you at 5 o'clock. Love you. Bye. Wow. Out the door. Next thing that happens is old Potiphar's wife. We don't know her name, but we do know this. Is the Bible says she saw that Joseph was well fit. And real good looking. It's in the Bible. And the Bible says that she comes in the room. Potiphar went to work. And Joseph's in there cleaning the house or something. And all of a sudden she comes in and she pulls her hair down. Hey, zoom the camera in real close. I'll show you what she did. Real close. Tight as you can get on my face. Here we go. Hey, Joe. Missing you, Jojo. 
all these old things, I've had these for years. And the Bible says that Joseph becomes like a little un uncomfortable. And the Bible says she looks at him and already come back, come back. It's what she does. She looks at him and says, wait for it. Oh, yeah. She looks at him and says, King James Version. She goes, lay with me. <laughs> lay with me. Lay with me. And the Bible tells us that he, you can take it off now, my God. It's just, see my own like soul through that thing, like every zit and everything. The Bible says that he becomes uncomfortable and she takes off, he takes off running and she grabbed his, his outfit and it was in her hand and, and she, he runs away. Joseph, with a dream, moving further and further away from what he thought God wanted for his life. And the Bible says that as soon as he started running, she's holding his garment in her hand and says, she starts calling for all the help around the house. And she said, he tried to rape me. She, she tried to rape, he tried to rape me. Joseph is now receiving false allegations. He had a dream. God spoke to him. God showed him who he was supposed to be, but yet he's gone through persecution. Then he goes through a pit. Then he goes through to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. And now because of the allegations, Potiphar comes home and flips out, sends him to prison. Way over there is where the dream began. Way over there is where the purpose and the plan of God started, but somehow just further and further away, we've moved beyond. It seems we can't reach, and it seems like we're getting further and further and further out. Have you ever been there? That you may have started with God saying, you know, if you raise this child in the way that they should go when they are older, they will not depart from it. And here you are, 17, 18, 19, 30 years later, and you're just looking at the progression of your daughter's life, and you're saying, how can this be? You're looking, and you know that God spoke to you about doing certain things in your life, and then you just look at the progression, and it seems as though you've gotten further and further and further away. I thought that if God was going to do something great in my life, I wasn't going to experience the pit of bankruptcy. I thought if God was going to do something great, and I thought when I was young and when I was at youth camp and a counselor and somebody believed in me and a pastor prayed over me, and, and now I'm living in this prison of addiction or, or divorce or hurt and bitterness. But back then, it seemed like it was up and to the right. But you just compound effect 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and it almost seems you can't even see what God said. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? For 13 years, Joseph has moved, it seems, further and further away from what God said. For 13 years, Joseph has moved down the progression away from where it seemed the dream would be. For 13 years, but here's what's crazy. 
Whatever that was. Someone stepped on a mouse. <laughs> For 13 years, he, he, he's beginning to feel this moving back. And here's what's crazy. I want you to catch this. Like, like as Christians, we like pray against this stuff. Like, as Christians, like, we, we rebuke this stuff. Like, not in my house. We're not going, no devil in hell. We, 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 we'll call our, our life group leaders and friends, and, and we ask them to pray because we're going through setbacks and turmoil and, and issues. And maybe, just maybe, while we are praying against them, God wants to use them. And what seems like backward steps to us, what seems like moving further and further away from the plan and the purpose and the word and God and what he said, as we keep moving further and further away, what seems like backward steps to us are actually forward steps to God. Because the story doesn't end in the prison. The Bible says that while he's in prison, he has a, an inmate friend who has a dream that he interprets by the power of God. Through connections and relationships, he ends up getting out of prison, brought into the palace, made second in command in all of the area. Only person over him was the king. And you just think about that. What he's experiencing after this was the dream that he had before all of that. So he is now experiencing in his life what he saw in his dream. But the progression to get there wasn't up and to the right. It was backwards. It's, it's crazy to think that God could use you in reverse. It's crazy to think that God can show up in your life when it seems like you're going, you're going backwards. Proverbs chapter 19, 21 says, Many... Many are the plans in the mind of a man. Many are the plans we have on our planner. Many are our expectations we have in our life. Many are the dreams we have in our hearts. But it is the purpose of God that will stand. You didn't have in mind the persecution. You didn't have in mind the pit. You didn't have in mind the problems. You didn't have in mind this situation. But what this scripture is informing us, that what you have been through, God can still do something in and through you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I think it's important to note that at the end of the story of Joseph, after all the years of seemingly going backwards, his brothers, in a unique turn of events in Genesis chapter 50, are at his are, at, are in his kingdom. And the Bible says that while he is standing there in Genesis chapter 50, he looks to them and says that, that what, the, what you meant for evil, what you meant to take me out, what you meant to destroy my life, what you meant to throw me off track, what you meant to back me up, God actually turned it for the good. I don't know how to explain it, but I just know that he did it. I don't know how God can do things through a divorce and through a setback and through a pain, but somehow he just 
does it. I don't know how to explain going through all the things you've been through and God's still developing you through all that you have experienced. And then when you just turn around, I don't know how he did it, but I know that God did it because what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it for the good. Somebody say, it will work. Somebody one more time, it will work. I've come to tell you today that God is working behind the scene in your life. That you are seeing persecution. You're seeing pit. You're seeing Potiphar. You're seeing prison. But maybe, just maybe, well, Roman 8, Romans chapter 8 says that he's going to cause all things to work together for the good. I don't know how God does it, but God can take persecution and turn it into patience. God can take this season and turn it into perseverance. He's going to use the pit and teach you how to keep going and teach you to not quit and teach you to keep fighting and teach you to keep praising and, keep you, and teach you to keep moving. Maybe, just maybe, the season with Potiphar's wife, when you were trying to run, God's showing you principle and character and values and, 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 and the purpose of God on the inside of you. Maybe God is developing the inside of you. Maybe right now you feel like you're in prison. It's dark. You're locked up. No way out. But maybe, just maybe, through the progression, God is going to use what you've been through to teach you how to pray and to teach you how to praise. Because, because I know you may be going through something. And when you get the understanding that, there, that God is going to turn it for your good, when you're going through bad things, you don't praise when you get to the end. You actually praise while you're walking through the middle because you know all things are going to work together for the good. I know God's still good. Even in the dark, God still heals. Even when I'm walking through the valley, God's still delivering. Even when I'm walking through pain, God is still going to make it work. Somebody shout, it will work. Because watch this. We are thinking destiny is a place where you are going. But maybe in the mind of God, destiny isn't necessarily where you're going. It is who you are becoming that God sees in you trying to shape you and mold you and develop you and lead you and he will use what you've been through to make all things work together for the good according to his plan. His purpose is he's going to make me more like him through this. This ain't what I like. This ain't what I want. There may not be 10,000 in the bank, but God has given me more patience. There may not be a big business, but God's given me more peace. I don't know what it looks like, but I know he's doing something on the inside where you cannot see. Last service, I didn't do this, so I hope the media team's ready, but here's what's really crazy about all this. You know where like the miracle is? Like, like sometimes the miracle is, is not so much that we got through it, but that God was with us in it. Let, let, let me show you, can I show you? Let me show you. Acts chapter seven, verse nine. Patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into slavery, but 
God was with him. Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Genesis 39.3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and, and, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Genesis 39.21, and the Lord was with Joseph. Genesis 39.23, the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. I can't explain pits and prisons. But what I want you to know today is that sometimes God protects us from setbacks and other times he is with us in setbacks. And sometimes God is not always perceived in the moment. You can't see God in the moment, but he is often perceived later. It's like this, life is lived forward but understood backwards. That when you are walking through pits and pain and prison and false allegations and things being said about you, that when you got on this side, you can look back and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? You, know, you hear what I'm saying? Take him to church. Where would I be? If God didn't do it, I couldn't be here today. If God didn't heal me, I couldn't be here today. If God didn't touch me, I couldn't be standing here today. It is by his power, it is by his love, it is by his mercy, because he made it. hospital couldn't make it work maybe mama couldn't make it work but God can make it work God can make it work do me a favor put that Romans chapter 8 28 back up there for me guys very top of that verse please and we know <laughs> doesn't it feel good to know with great confidence that the pit I've been through and the struggle I've lived through, that God who is, who is deeply concerned about us causes half the things, causes just a quarter of the things, causes how much? To work together as a plan. That don't make no sense. How's God gonna take what I've been through and make it look like it was all a plan the whole time? 
for good for those who love God. I'll tell you why, because He's God. Because He's God. I don't have no other reason to tell you. I just come to let somebody know He is still God. It may be hard, but He's still God. It may be dark, but He's still God. It may be lonely, but it's still God. You may be on a third miscarriage, but He's still God. You may be dealing with cancer, but He's still God. Because He makes it. He makes it work. This church wears me out. I don't know what's up with you people. My goodness. Amber, the enemy could totally be like, well, the bat, look how, look at your progression. He can just get in your head and tell you crazy stuff, but you're going to look back and you're going to say, he made it work. He made it work. I don't know how he does it. I just know that he does it. He's going to make it work. going to make it work. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that they don't quit in the pit because you're going to make this situation turn out for the good. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Romans 8 and 28, that all things will work together for the good to them that love God and that are called according to your purpose. So God, do the work on the inside. Reveal to us what you're doing on the inside. And we won't be distracted by what's happening on the outside. We'll keep our hearts right on the inside because you're going to do something because you can turn it in our good. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it today, Vibrant Church, come on, put your hands together and give God a shout. He hasn't heard all day. He's going to make it work. God's going to make it work. With eyes closed all over the room, if you're in the room and you have never accepted Jesus Christ, the greatest decision you can ever make is making, the, making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You don't want to leave this room without him. You don't want to walk out of this room. You don't want to log off without saying yes to Jesus. The Bible says that he came not just to live but to die so that you and I can live in him. He came and went to the cross so we don't have to. He didn't die for you. He died as you. Should have been you on that cross. Should have been me and you paying for our sin. But Jesus died to give us new life today. And right now, if you're in the room or you're watching online, please, I want to count to three. And if you've maybe drifted away and you need a fresh start, or maybe you just have forgotten, or maybe you've never said yes to God, I want to count to three. And I want you to raise your hand nice and high to heaven. Are you ready? Biggest decision you'll ever make. Pastor Ethan, why are you waiting so long? We'll wait on tables for 20 minutes today. Why can't we wait on heaven to get a soul? Are you ready? 
I'm going to count to three. And if you're online, please, 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 I'm begging you. This moment could change eternity, your eternity for, for forever. This is the moment that heaven's been waiting for. Are you ready? One, two, three. Thank you for those hands. 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 Come on, church. Hands are going up. People are saying yes to Jesus. People are recommitting. People are rededicating. People are getting saved today. If you're online and you're one of those people, please slide into our DMs. Is that cool? I don't know if people say that. Please message us and let us know that you're one of the people that want to say yes to Jesus today. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Repeat after me nice and loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, forgiving my sin. I want a new life in you. Lead me, guide me, direct me, and the rest of my life will be the best of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted a big amen. Yeah.